A very big welcome to Archives for Aliens' very first guest, George Garino, hypnotist and artist. In this episode, you'll get to hear about how George became a hypnotist, uh, as well as this very unique process that he's creating called Pictrance, uh, where he's using images as an anchor point for transformation and self-discovery. Hello everyone, and welcome to Archives for Aliens, a podcast recorded for future life on Earth, planet Earth, consciousness, creativity, the nature of reality, cool people making things, and life outside the box. What makes you tick? I'm a hypnotist from the uh, upstate New York area, but my main concern is connecting hypnosis and art. That's what I'm really interested in doing. That's my passion. I do work with people all the time to address their concerns and issues and, and problems uh, as a clinical hypnotist. Your question was, how did I get into hypnosis? Yeah, that- what, how did you even have that thought in your mind one day? Like, I'm going to be. It was a put there by a hypnotist. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> it really was. I saw a guy on the street uh, driving and he had a license plate that said trance. And a month later, he had taken that off and it had, had hypno on it. This is a neighbor of mine, which I, I never really talked to or anything. And this is, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And uh, so I, I stopped him and talked to him. Oh, what's this all about? And he said, oh, bring over a pizza and some Pepsi and I'll tell you all about it. I'm like, okay. You know, I was, I was kind of searching at that time. What the heck am I doing? I had done a whole bunch of stuff. I'm floundering. You know, what's going on? I think I'm reading at the, at the time I'm reading Napoleon Hill and, you know, Mr. Keita Riches, things like that. Um, so I go over to Steve's house and he talks to me for a little bit and then he goes, oh, do you want to do a session? And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to do a session. I just want to hear, hear about it. And uh, I don't want to be out of control. You know, all the things that go through your mind with hypnosis. And um, so I said, okay, I'm here. You're sure. And I'm sitting on this couch and I honestly don't remember the whole beginnings or not. I know he's just talking to me. But at the end, the part I do remember is that as he's bringing me out, he's going, and you're going to be a fantastic hypnotist, just like, and he rattles off a few names. Now, I don't really know who those people were that he rattled off. I do know what his background is, so I can imagine who he's talking about. I don't know why he said this to me, um, but ever since, I'm telling you, ever since that day, things have opened up, things have kind of presented themselves, and you have to say yes to them. You know, it doesn't just fall in your lap, but... I'd say the biggest thing that I learned there was I went in there thinking that hypnosis was like somebody who was a hypnotist was almost like a psychic. You know, you were born with an ability. Uh, That's not it at all. You can learn how to practice hypnosis and and use it with people. And so this opened up a whole gamut of mind ideas and, and ways to explore and, you know, just move forward from there. Things opened up and I had to say yes to them. That's really what, what happened. That's fascinating. That's a great story for how to become a hypnotist. I don't know if anybody else can do it, but yeah, come to me and I'll tell you, you'll be a great hypnotist. (laughs) (laughs) So when you think back to that time period in your life, uh, you mentioned you were reading Napoleon Hill and some other personal growth, um, exploratory books. Uh, What else was going on in your mind at the time? Well, I mean, it was a, a frustrating time for me because I was kind of, I had kind of, I had done various things, publishing a magazine and doing this television show and whatnot. And it had sort of come to the end of that. And I had a child. And at that point, actually, I had two, two kids. But, you know, it was pretty much impressed on me that you got to get going. You got to start something that has to do with uh, an income and uh, taking care of, uh, you know, normal life types of things. You know, my wife is a wonderful Person, but you know she's only going to go so far and she is absolutely right so I was floundering with various things and you know I, I think within that you know when you flounder you have to just keep floundering and get to that point where that that thing inspires you 
to say, yes, I'm going to do that. And I do remember once I started investigating, how do you become a hypnotist? What do you have to do? Um, well, there's no one path, but part, partly you do get together with other people that are hypnotists and they have a background in um, different ways of using hypnosis. So I connected with a great group at the time, the National Guild of Hypnotists out in uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire area, and went to their conventions. And through that, found somebody to get certified as a hypnotist. And through then, you know, you begin to realize that there's a lot of people that get certified as hypnotists, but only uh, a few that progress further. Hmm. Um, so, you know, since that time, you know, every single day, and I really, I'm talking about 99% of the days, 98%, you know, I'm reading something about hypnosis. I'm looking at videos. I'm looking at audios. I'm discussing things with other hypnotists, other ideas. And, and trying to uh, figure out how to use this with clients. And then, of course, there's that whole uh, aspect of uh, attracting clients to yourself. So that's been a, a journey for the last 15, 16, 17 years. Interesting. And I don't know if this is the right way to ask this question, but do you practice hypnosis under a certain kind of theory or school of thought? Well, again, I'm exploring all the ways that people uh, practice hypnosis in this time period. I mean, we're in a certain time period where now we're able to connect with so many people. Mm -hmm. It wasn't long ago where it was very hard to even find, you know, uh, legitimate books, um, legitimate writings. And then, of course, you have your writings from 100 years ago and people's ideas. And then you have your current ones. And then, of course, you have the people that are just trying to market you an idea and uh, make some money off of the idea of, of, of teaching people hypnosis. So through the National Guild, I was exposed to a lot of people. I mean, I, the part I like about the Guild, I liked about the Guild at that time particularly was you had a smattering of people all the way from the metaphysical, uh, psychic kind of side of things, all the way through to people who are PhD doctors, medical doctors, uh, people involved with um, legislative issues, um, and everybody in the middle. And so you really saw a smattering of how people practice hypnosis. And that includes entertainment hypnosis, which, you know, it fascinates me and fascinates everyone. I wasn't attracted to doing that, but it, it shows you the power of hypnosis. And you begin to see and meet these people and know that, oh, this isn't a joke. This isn't um, somebody's not you know, faking it or putting something on. This is really somebody able to tap into somebody's subconscious mind and make adjustments for a little while in that case, you know, for an entertainment purpose, but it shows you the power of what could go on in your real life. If you wanted to use it for you know, the benefits that uh, you can attain from participating in hypnosis. Hope that answers your question a little bit. Well, I, I know you were asking about a particular school. Um, I've kind of gleaned information from all of this, but one thing, when you do that, you're always looking for the new shiny thing. Like the new thing, Oh, this is the one, this is the thing that's going to be perfect. No, it's not true. It's the principles behind it. And that's what I've learned through studying all these various aspects of hypnosis. That's really cool. I, I know like with coaching and what I do, I, I subscribe to similar theory. Like let's see all that's out there and then figure out what seems to be working the most. And Well, you don't want to get, I, I didn't want to get, let that get in the way because you can just go on and on and on. And there are so many people that are just exploring all these things and then they're afraid to put it into use. Because honestly, if you just pick them and it was legitimate, you know, you found a good instructor, teacher, mentor, um, you can do profound work. Mm -hmm. that's, that's so cool though, that you spend time learning and like continuing to push the boundary of it every day. I really like You'll that. find in the hypnosis field, people are like that. They're very passionate about it. They're very much wanting to know what the new thing is um, and, and what other people are doing with hypnosis. It's, you, you find that there are a lot of really um, heart-filled kind of people that are involved with this. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. So when did you start bringing um, elements of art or image work into your practice? Okay. Well, I, when I was, you know, my, my college days and whatnot was all about art, studying art, getting an art degree and whatnot. But once I got 
when they graduated, it was like, oh, what am I going to do with this? You know, how am I going to pursue this? I didn't, I'm in my 20s. I didn't have something to say, perhaps. And it kind of, the attitude and, and, and the, uh, I always thought of myself as an artist, but what do you actually do with it was, it was still out there to be discovered. And I got involved with music things and presenting music, uh, alternative music things in my local area and, and even in New York and, and various things. So it kind of drifted into more of a art and music kind of an atmosphere. But when I became a hypnotist, so the, I became involved with it in 2002, actually got certified 2005. So by 2011, there was a program that I went to in California with this fellow that um, teaches a particular type of hypnosis, uh, a, a process that, that he uses. But within that, he introduced what he called a model of the mind. And this model of the mind has to do with the conscious, unconscious, and subconscious. And he took a rectangle and he would divide three areas. And when I saw that up on the board, you know, he's writing this up on a whiteboard. And in the center, he was involved with age regression, bringing people back in ages. And so he's got like the trunks of a tree and every trunk of the tree ring, you know, there's ages within that. And as I saw this whole diagram, I'm going, you know, that's something I could work with. I mean, there's something that, it's it's what I'm interested in and it means something to me and yet there's so many possibilities so from 2011 to 2013 or 14 I made images that were really stuck with that that three areas of space in different mm -hmm. media you know I started off with uh, painting and drawing and collage types of things pastels and um, kind of gradually moved into into other ways of doing it but it was really through that, that model of the mind, that, that that's my framework. And I found that that was so interesting to have a framework to stay within. Because when you go into school, sometimes they'll say, oh, you can do anything. Well, anything is a little too broad. <laughs> it's good to have a framework because there's enough, you can, there's a lifetime that can be done just in those three parts of a rectangle. Yeah, like creative constraints. Is helpful, I think. Yeah giving yourself you break out something. you can break out at any time you want because <clears throat> i mean i have since then I've, I've focused more on the subconscious mind the centerpiece but it was important to do all three for a period of time that is so interesting and does that do you talk to people about that in the way that you title your work or describe it or is it just something that you personally know oh no i'll i'll, I'll continually bring this up again um not sure how much it resonates with other people but <laughs> it, huh. it's to me interesting i didn't know that this really? is we hadn't talked about that before no i've seen a lot of your art and i you know i knew this was vaguely a thing but i didn't know anything that, about a specific diagram or something okay. well good we're learning something here yeah, that is that is really cool. Um, have you ever used like other people's models of the mind, or is it just that one diagram that's inspired you? I've pretty much stuck with that. I mean, other people might uh, talk about it only as the conscious unconscious. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's you know th there's reasons for both. Um, it, it's at this point, as far as the art, I've given myself permission <laughs> to break out of the three spaces. And I, I do make pieces that are, are, don't, aren't in that formula all the time, but they do have a reference point back to that. And I do think of them as the subconscious mind of, you think of it this way, as a being, a person, um, an entity. Yeah. I really do think of my, my pieces as that. Can you give an example of like what, what a reference point would be? And I can also bring up an image. I'll add in an image here. What, what do you mean by uh, a reference point? Um, so you said that some of your images have a reference point back to the original diagram, but they don't necessarily represent it. Hmm. Um, well, some of, the first three years, I really broke up the rectangle in those three areas. Now, I'll just use the whole space. And I, and I can use it vertically or horizontally. I, I, I guess I say I've given myself permission to go okay. and do these things. 
But that doesn't mean you couldn't put some next to each other and say, oh, that is the subconscious. It's not so specific. Okay. It, it, Are they it, shapes or forms? That's kind of what I'm trying to understand. Shapes or forms? In the image? I do tend to use a lot of spheres, a lot of circles. Uh, I tend to um, have, because really what I'm trying to do is make a focal point, a focus point for somebody to absorb their attention. Hmm. So, I mean, that is, has become the, because of the additional process that I've developed um, is the reason for these pictures, um, that they become a focus point and that they don't have a particular meaning to somebody before they've seen them. Now, it's very hard to do that legitimately because colors, shapes, textures, uh, darkness, lightness, all of these things have a reference to people. You know, they, they can't help but try to build meaning out of it. Mm -hmm. Do, particularly sometimes, uh, try to make it as uh, open-ended as possible. Because with the process that I'm interested in, I want that person to be able to accept this as something they're seeing maybe for the first time so that it, it's not, um, they don't have preconceived notions about it. It's very hard. I don't think it can never be pure. Yeah. So kind of like a blank slate. says something. A blank slate for somebody's consciousness, like a mirror. Well, it's, it's that I'm making this piece. I'm trying to have non-references from their past, though in my more current work, I'm accepting that. I almost think that's beneficial. This is mm -hmm. sort of from before that it shouldn't be have a reference point. Um, but what I'm doing with the hypnosis part is building in an experience into this piece for the person. I mean, that is the important part. If they were to see, and, and it can work, if they were to see a, a famous piecing, a painting, Mona Lisa, and we, we did this process with it, it could, it could be very valuable and, and very important. But the Mona Lisa is something you see a lot of different places. It has a lot of meanings. It has a lot of context already in it for somebody. Now, maybe it doesn't for that person. And it might be the perfect image for them to use this process with. Um, and this is all exploratory. There, there, mm -hmm. It's not dry. It could be used in lots of different ways. But my approach is to try to make something that doesn't have that initial reference point in it. But I'm willing to change. <laughs> I'm willing yeah. to do way too well that makes sense it kind of reminds me of how like when you don't have any reference points you have a lot of space and you give the person a lot of space to to change and to see things in new ways and like create a new a new story or a new uh, reality or paradigm yeah to begin again you know this is part of the permission i'm giving the person is you know, to begin from this point forward and anytime you see this piece, it brings you from this point forward. The one thing I, I think that I have discovered though, is when you have something that's completely abstracted, it's hard for our memory to remember it all. Whereas mm -hmm. if you have a cloud, a, a house, a tree, it's easier to frame that because we have a frame of reference. We, we know what a landscape looks like, but when it's colors and it's, it's just all over the place, you know, we see a Jackson Pollock, we know what that is like, but you know exactly, you know, what autumn mist looks like, you know, <laughs> that corner yeah. you know, over here, it's kind of tough. That's really interesting that you say that. I know. That's sort of what I've sort of discovered through this. Yeah, I never thought about it in such a good way, but that's been something I've been working on with my art as well, it getting less, less abstract so that it's easier to see is the way I put it. That's interesting. Cause I guess when there's too much chaos in the abstract then, or just too much unfamiliarity, it can be hard to see anything. Yeah. And remember it. So when for you, for your process, um, for what you're doing with a lot of these images, it, it's important to Remember, remember the image, would you say? To an extent. I mean, part of the instruction is that your subconscious mind and your subconscious mind will remember 
the image. It's not a conscious uh, process that you could redraw the image. Mm -hmm. So I'm relying on the subconscious mind to do its part and to take on the instruction that, you know, they're going to remember or be able to know that this image is associated with what we're trying to do with the process. Do you think that an image alone can hypnotize somebody? Okay. That's an interesting question, and it, but it, it gets to the point of trance and hypnosis. We sort of hmm. put the words together, but I believe that trance is an, an altered state. You're moving through something. You're, you're, you're losing the consciousness of where you were, and you're getting absorbed in what's going on. Like people talk about uh, driving hypnosis, where you're sort of just on the the road and you don't have to think of all the details. You're just listening to the music. And if a deer came out you know, and you had to pay attention, you snap right back out. But normally eh, I don't pay too much attention until that road sign comes up, which alerts me and I'm gonna have to get off this exit. Whereas hypnosis really uses trance and other methods, doesn't have to be trance, to give suggestions. So there mm -hmm. is a piece of using it, doing something with it, um, moving somebody through the trance to where you're directing them. And, and that is the distinction from my perspective between trance and hypnosis. Trance is just kind of happens in the world. And people will say that hypnosis does too, but I do think there's a piece where there's somebody has to be what you might call the operator, the hypnotist. It could be an authority figure, a doctor, you know, a priest, a cop, you know, all kinds of people are, are actually hypnotists. Um, but they have to give an instruction. That's the hypnosis piece and connecting it with emotions. So it doesn't just happen, whereas like just driving trance, that just happens. You get lost in a book. You want to get lost in it. That's a good book. You know, you want to get lost in the movie. I see. So that question didn't really make sense. I've, I've never thought about the difference between hypnosis and trance, but that makes a lot of sense to me. I think it makes perfect sense, but honestly, hypnotists don't necessarily feel that way. They, they will, they would just use the words interchangeably and describe to people that trance is hypnosis. It, you know, in, in, in a lot of senses, it doesn't matter. But mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't think just hypnosis just exists out in the world. Uh, there has to be an operator. You don't have to look at a tree and, oh, there's hypnosis, but a tree could provide trance. Somebody staring at a tree and the wind uh, moves the leaves a little bit and you get focused on that and you just get absorbed in that, absolutely you go into a trance, no question. So a picture absolutely can put somebody into a trance. Yeah. Okay. Question, Is it also yes. like the directions? Could Are these pictures like the directions that are being planted within the trance? My pictures? Yeah, or could pictures, art, could art be thought of in that way? Well, I think that has to do, again, with the, the operator, the artist, the intention. Mm. What, uh, what's the expectation of, of looking at this? When, here, here's a great thing, I think. When you see a piece in a museum, now maybe you don't understand it, or maybe you don't even like it, but there is that almighty they that selected it and put it in the museum. So in the back of your head, you're going, there's a reason why it's here. Interesting. You know, and you may not understand that, but somebody thinks it's important to be there. So that let starts the motors running, you know, that creates an expectation that I should look at it again. I don't get it. Oh, maybe that's interesting because I don't get it. You ever go into one of those galleries where you'll see a mop or something in the corner and you don't know if it's a part of the, it's art or if it's just somebody left something there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Contemporary like art. I, I have a difficult time with a lot of contemporary art, but. But, but again, what's it trying to do? It's trying to make you think, right? It, it's a it, it, it makes me think. It definitely makes me think a lot of times it leaves me confused, but maybe I'm not getting it. That, but that's okay. Yeah, I agree. I don't get it all. Yeah. And, but some people, the almighty they are not always right. <laughs> they don't always select the person or the art piece that uh, represents that, uh, whatever they're trying to represent at that moment. Yeah. Or thoroughly. Because they're, they're basing within their limits. They only have certain things to choose from. Mm-hmm.
people are available for them to show or that they want to show and they want to champion certain people. There's all kinds of motives and reasons. Yeah. What's the intention with your art? To create a focal point, a focus point for people to have a, an experience that will, through the experience, will allow them to continue in this experience every time they re-experience the piece of art. And, and through my instructions, you know, when you see the piece, remember the piece, or just know that it exists. You just have to know that it exists. You don't have to memorize every corner of it. Hmm. So is this, I don't know if this is true or not, but would you say that lately, in the last couple of years, every time you're creating a piece of art, you're thinking about how it matches up with your the picturance process that you've created? I'm, I'm accepting that it does. They're inter are they intertwined in you know in the process yeah. of making it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't see them as. I mean, I want to make a masterpiece, of course, but uh, you know, I'm I'm doing. See, now I've moved into doing things digitally, so you can do a lot of manipulation and a lot of changes and have a lot of pieces. It's not like making a painting where, you know, that's you got to have that piece. You got to make those changes. You gotta let things dry. You gotta paint over it again. You gotta look at it. It's it's a different type of process. Mm -hmm. oh, I, I can make a lot of things and then edit. You know, oh, this one wasn't successful, but this one, you know, this one, I really, I'm getting something deeper from it. My wife will always remind me of how I, I very rarely ever have figures, people in my pieces, and I don't know what that's all about, but it's it's an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. I think when you have people in it. I guess the problem for me is you become somewhat of a director. You're either a selector, you know, out there documenting things. People don't know you're taking their picture or you're telling them what to do. Stand here, stand there, look this way. And that gets into a whole other uh, sphere of manipulating people. And I don't know if I'm up for that. You know, I don't know if that's really my, my thing. I don't know if that's bad or good, but. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine knowing that much about how the mind works you almost do have like a responsibility, I guess, right? Not to sure. manipulate. I guess that's obvious. Well, we're all, we're all <laughs> manipulating to, to one extent or another. So there's nothing wrong with any of these things. It's a, it's a matter of just doing it for good purposes. That's all. Yeah. So can you explain a little bit more about the picturance process? Okay. Well, the picturance process um, is suggesting to someone that they look at a picture. And it could be like one of yours is, it would be a wonderful thing to look at. Even this picture behind me, though there's figures in it, no problem with that. You could just suggest to the person that they're going to look at the picture and one point in the picture will become what they want to focus their attention on. It's not bad or good. It's not right or wrong. It's just what today you're going to focus your attention on. And through um, a guided method, I'm going to suggest to the person that at a certain point, you're just going to close your eyes down and you're going to go through the picture to the other side. And then we're going to do some, some work back there. I call it some work. And that part could be all kinds of different things. Lots of different things could go on back there. And then at a certain point, I'm going to ask the to come imagine that they're coming through the picture through that point they once were and then i'm going to have them look at the picture at various times and then the suggestion at that point is anytime you see the picture remember the picture or just know that it exists in the world you're going to continue on your journey and doing what it is that you were hoping to do so in a nutshell that's the outline of picturance So it sounds like the you're using a picture as like a scaffolding. Scaffolding. Okay. I'm not sure how you were using the word scaffolding, how that. I, it's just, that's the way I think about it. I don't, I mean, I've never been hypnotized. I don't know that much about hypnosis, but it seems like by scaffolding, I mean like the structure for where where the thoughts could link onto and and create a change okay I whereas like 
Yeah, like when I normally think about hypnosis, it's there's no real location where the change is occurring hmm. in the mind. I mean, it, there is, but it's kind of general. Okay, well, I mean, the change yeah, is going to happen. Your, your subconscious mind is going to um, absorb this change, and it's going to balance it off of the belief that it has from the past, because you have, we're all made up of these beliefs. They're not truths, they're beliefs. And um, if they're getting a better result from what they're learning now, if the person's being served by what's going on now, they're gonna move in that direction and let the old belief fall away because it's not as if it was a bad belief or it was an inappropriate belief. It was probably formed at a time when it helped them. I mean, it, it had to have been or else they wouldn't have held on to it. But, you know, we grow up and we uh, think differently and we approach life differently. So it's important to be able to let old beliefs fall away and, you know, use new beliefs that help us in our lives. It's all about serving you, um, letting you take on your role in today's world rather than staying in the past. Mm -hmm. So do you think that the picture is helpful for people to attach those new beliefs like onto something? Yes. Yeah. That's what I meant by scaffolding, like where to store them in your mind space. Yes. Well, it does give it a, a, all the stuff we're doing behind the picture, it gives it a framework of where to, if you want to call it their store, that experience. That's really interesting. This, this is, it just ha- definitely works. It happens in nature. If you think of a, uh, a photograph or, or something, let's just say a family uh, gathering or, or um, a picture you've taken on vacation and you, you select that picture, it just reminds you of some, that perfect sunset or sunrise and you have that on your desk or, or someplace. Every time you go by that, you get a feeling. You get a feeling of... I liked that. I want to go back to that. Maybe the, the pictures of your kids are saying, oh, that's why I've come to the office. That's why I have to keep going. You have a feeling. So now we're trying to take something that didn't have any feeling for you and create a feeling in it so that every time you see the picture or just know that it exists, go back to that process that's been happening. Because it's not, I mean, it can be an on-off switch, but many times it's analog. It, it, it's a gradation. You know, it's getting better. You're moving towards something. You're letting something go. Um, you know, we're, we're all moving towards pleasure and, and away from pain. But it's a process. It's, it's, it, it can be an on-off switch. Don't get me wrong. But generally, it, it, it gets better as you're moving towards something. And you just kind of find, oh, now I'm coming from things from that perspective rather than my old way of thinking of it. Did you know you thought differently when you were seven years old than you do today, right? I mean, it's just oh like, yeah, two years ago even. And you thought differently, but it happened. every year. Every year, I feel like I was seven years old two years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still don't feel like I'm 29, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just mean it. Like when I look back at like different, you know, things that I've done or the way that I wrote an article or made a painting seems Mm -hmm. so far away. Mm. Like I would not do that. So so this is, this is sort of a way of harnessing that. See, you've already just proven that it happens in nature. We're all just doing this. Now, if if you take that and and you harness it in a small period of time Mm. and use it for what you want to have happen. Yeah. I really like it. I wonder if there are certain artists who are making work right now that are actually making art. This is just really out there somehow for this process <laughs> and they don't even know it. Oh, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that that's one of the pieces about picturance is, that's what I call the process, picture. It's picture trance, connecting a, a picture and trance together to do this process. Um, but there are people out there making pieces that absolutely no question about it would be 
beautiful pieces to, to use within the process. And I don't know if they're thinking of it that way, but but maybe they are, and, and maybe they just need it to be suggested to them that it could be used this way. Mm-hmm. Either their own benefit, because that's a big possibility too, because they're looking at their own pictures and, and they're already absorbed in them. They've created them. Or when it's done, or even in the process, it could be used for the, the person that's collecting their picture, for instance. Yeah. Or somebody seeing it at a gallery. It's, there's a lot that's going on. It's it's actually happening anyway. You know, we're just trying to harness it and say, do it on purpose. Yeah. Are there any other techniques or methods that you know of that utilize working with an image in hypnosis? Well, as you look back in history, there's certainly people that have used symbols and um, I don't know if they would be calling it hypnosis. I guess in the, what I've discovered as far as hypnosis and art, there's a lot of things about automatic writing. So people Mm -hmm. do like in in the uh, surrealist period, uh, Robert Desnos was a great example of somebody who, uh, he was somnambulistic. Uh, they could just, you know, they were fooling around with hypnosis. They just put him into a hypnosis state and, and he would just be able to come up with all kinds of things that uh, he was writing that, uh, didn't make any, uh, logical sense that he would have said these things. I mean, it ebbs and flows. Some of the things were more profound than others. Um, but there's lots of societies that have done that in the past, shaman, um, they may not use those words because, again, hypnosis is just a word. Um, the process is about focused attention to have a meaningful experience and then to be guided there by a hypnotist, an operator, whatever you want to call this person. So um, I, I, that's one thing I would like to investigate a lot more because there has to be a lot more uh, evidence of people using things in this manner that I don't know about. And I would also like to connect with a group of people that have explored this a lot more than I have. Um, people perhaps in an art history situation or artists that um, there was a period of time when they did this, because there certainly were periods of time when I'm thinking of Af Klimt, you know, Helma Af Klimt, uh, when she started abstract expressionism or abstraction, did not even knowing that, you know, she's connecting it with, uh, I'll call it space aliens or something. I don't know what she's gotten directions of what to, to, to uh, put it out on paper, but she definitely came from that kind of an experience and she created things could be absolutely used wonderfully with picturance. Um, whether she was planning that, I, I think she took it as her mission to do that. So I, I don't think she had the other side of what am I going to do with this? How am I going to uh, offer this to people? She just, I have to do this. And so she did. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of ways where you can bring multiple, multiple people and multiple fields together with this mm-hmm. idea, and that it could go in so many directions. Absolutely, and and it can you know it's important just for I guess you want to call it just regular people you know because they are doing it all the time. They're very they're masters at it. Hmm. Now, if they just allow themselves to accept that they can do this on purpose for some reason that they want it to happen, wow, what a better situation even. Because our minds are so amazing. Uh, you know, our imaginations, our abilities to change, our uh, ability to believe something and cause it to be true just because we believe it. You know, it wasn't true before. You just start believing it and it is. The best examples are, are like when the world was flat, you know, everybody's going around perfectly until that guy came back and said, hey, you know, it's got to be round. Or I brought this person back or something from someplace. Yeah. And then it could never be flat again. Right. So are you saying that you could teach people to do this work on themselves? Well, sure. Images? Sure. It, 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 I guess it lends itself to have someone do it for you, the process. But the original you, process. You certainly could do it yourself. You know, most, and they always talk about hypnosis as all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. 
And really what that means is sort of when you get acclimated to what hypnosis is, generally that's when somebody hypnotizes you and you go, oh, that's it. Then you can go back into that space at will because you've kind of let some of the preconceived notions of what it was supposed to be go. So if you have this experience, and particularly if it was profound enough for you and you want it and, and, you, and you want to grow with it, then you can look at the piece and, and just allow yourself to, to just kind of go back to what was done behind the picture. And I call it behind the picture only because that's, it kind of suggests that um, there's a, a facade and then there's a, a place behind it, a, a room, um, a world perhaps um, that you're mm. going to, to get your learnings and, and what it is you want to be doing and accomplishing for yourself. Like a school, perhaps, a library. I like that analogy. Do you think that hypnosis can be fully done over Zoom? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. All you have to do is follow the instructions. <laughs> As you go into hypnosis now. That's right. <laughs> huh. Because what is hypnosis is following instructions. And if here, here's the biggest point, if there was a reason for you to do it that was beneficial to you, then you want to allow yourself to do that. And if you're comfortable in the space that you're in and it's just okay for you, you can allow that to happen. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's good news since Zoom's taken over the world. <laughs> 2020 year of yeah. zoom year of zoom yes <laughs> was well, there anything else that i didn't cover that you you'd like to share with the world or whoever will be watching this we don't know yet yeah right right well i i think the biggest thing is to inspire as many people as possible to participate um to just dis discover it and just participate. I mean, it's going to be very profound for some people. Other people, it's going to be very light. It's going to be like, oh, that's just interesting. It's like the guided imagery. You know, somebody else is like, oh, my goodness, that changed my life. You know, from this moment forward, I can't stop um, going towards my outcome, my goal. How do we participate? Um, I guess just raising your hand and say, yes, let's do it. <laughs> and, and following the instructions, just, just going with the instructions. You know, like where, are the, where are the instructions? Well, they're coming from the hypnotist, from myself. or. Okay. So you're encouraging people to see a, a hypnotist? I Well, we were talking in, in the sense of art and uh, picturance. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm encouraging people to be open to the possibilities of what can happen. Um, you know, I guess there is that whole outline of, of framework that has to sort of be uh, more... Um, brought into the world so that people just know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Once you do, once you do that, you realize it's, it's not so crazy and it's not so like anything you haven't done before, just doing it for this particular purpose. You know, we could do it right now. That would not be a problem. Or you can put something into this as a demo of, of what I've done in the past. I certainly can provide that type of thing for you. Um, or, or we could do something right now for people. It's, it's okay with me. Uh, we could. Uh, I'm also, I'm really interested just as, okay, so I'm super interested in learning more about hypnosis. I totally believe that it's a great value and is real. What can I do like on a regular basis just to open up to it? Or where do I put my attention? Okay. Well, there's two pieces of the hypnosis too. There's putting somebody into hypnosis, if you want to state it that way. Um, so it's doing this process ritual, um, this thing, which gets somebody into a, a, a receptive state. And then there's what do you do with it? See? Okay, so they're different. Even right now, you're going into hypnosis now, just talking, you know, just listening, just you, you can tell, you know, your, your face is changing, your 
your eyes are getting a little bit heavier. Really, you know, you're getting absorbed in it and, and because you're interested and, and you know that you're safe wherever you are. So you're just allowing it to happen. Now, again, what are you doing with it? What would you allow yourself to do with it? You know, so even right now, if, you know, even if you just follow my instructions, even if you just you know, like close your eyes down and just okay. let just be there for a moment, okay. and listen to the sound of my voice and just allow yourself to imagine that you're going to a wonderful place, a wonderful room of learning, whatever it is that you need right now today. And you may even imagine sitting at a table and finding a book there and noticing that you can open the book and you're going to come upon a page that probably has text on it, maybe an illustration. Perhaps just notice what it is. Maybe there's even a little writing on the outside of the, the text, just drawing your attention to certain sentences, certain words. And whatever it is that you're doing now, just realize it's exactly what's supposed to have been happening right now. And if you wanted to do something on your own, you could always imagine that you can close your eyes, come right back to this place, this table, that book, or one of the other books in the library there. It just calls your attention because they're all there for you, Jasmine. You're doing beautifully, just allowing yourself to listen to the sound of my voice and go inside for a while. And as you know that that room will always be there for you in that room behind your eyes, you know that you don't have to do it all now. You can just let your unconscious mind get what it needs at this moment and know that perhaps when you go to sleep and deep delta sleep later, you can drift and dream and put everything in place so that when you wake at an appropriate time, you can move forward in your life using everything that you've begun to discover about yourself in these few moments that we've been together. So in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to open your eyes, come back to the room feeling fantastic. One, two, three. Come on back. Hi, how you doing? Where'd you go? <laughs> I went to the bookstore. <laughs> you went to the bookstore. See, you went to your own place. That's good. Yeah, I went to a, I went to a very specific bookstore and sat in a very specific seat. Interesting. I found a yellow truck inside of that book. Mm. I don't know what that means, but it was a very distinct truck. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. You know, is there any? It all happened very. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say it all happened very fast. It doesn't have to be like an hour long session or something. Things can happen very okay. quickly. Interesting. Is that so? Is that common to like find an image like that? It's, it's not anything I remember. The common part is that if you allow yourself to participate, you will discover something. Okay. A yellow truck? I don't know. <laughs> but see, the thing I think is so beautiful is you. I'm telling. I'm picturing it in a certain way. I've got like a, this uh, dusty library harry potter kind of a thing you know i mean with the the wood and everything and, and you went to your own place you went to your bookstore you know you went to the certain seat something told you that this was your opportunity to discover this now what's going to happen probably in a week you'll look back and realize what it was all about okay that's really cool but i think the bigger part is that you were asking me how can you do it yourself well, it's, as, it's really as simple as that, is, is to trust yourself, that you have the power to turn that on at any time. It's about intention. Hmm. You have intention going to hypnosis. You can allow yourself to do that. It's not, and it's different each time. Sometimes you are just there and, and you just find yourself coming back. Sometimes it's very light and you're very much paying attention to what's going on around you. Because you're always protecting yourself. There's a piece of you that's always protecting you. You know? Yeah. That's, that's a good way to put it. Like those barriers and the masks that we all wear and put up. Oh, sure. Well, we always want to protect ourselves. So there's always going to be, uh, there's a term for it, but that outside observer, kind of making sure that you're safe. And... Once you know that that's true, then you can allow yourself to go even deeper because mm -hmm. 
that outside observer will always take bring you back if if there's some something that's said to you that's inappropriate. That's the kind of thing we want to protect ourselves from anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but nobody can make you do anything that's against your moral character. Now, what's everybody's moral character, <laughs> and can that be manipulated? Yes, it can. So you have a nefarious person that's wanting to tear apart things that are positive in your moral character for some other reason, um, that can begin to happen. But as I'm saying, most hypnotists that I know of, really the vast majority of them are here for positive purposes and and not to to hurt anybody. And you also find out that those people that think they're going to manipulate people and make them do things, they get into all kinds of troubles. And, and at a certain point, if, if, they live long enough, they turn it around because they just realized that was not what I should be doing this for. Because it's very, very powerful. So, and I can see that you want to learn more about it. So yeah, I thank you. About that, I, I do. Yeah, I think that this is just the beginning. Yeah, it's, it's very much like me meeting that guy and him just saying, you know, bring you a, a pizza and and a Pepsi. And I'm like, pizza and Pepsi? I think it was even Diet Pepsi. And he's a pretty large guy. <laughs> it's like, pizza, Diet Pepsi, <laughs> and come over to my house. <laughs> it sounds like you're joining a cult or something. <laughs> <laughs> the pizza and Pepsi cult. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I guess that this is how you become a hypnotist. <laughs> one way. You have to give this one a title. It'll be how to become a hypnotist. <laughs> How to become a hypnotist. Well, let's back the art part. <laughs> because, because, you know, that's one thing that I really, I'm having a, um, I just, I just I'm, I'm connected with the, the hypnosis community, but I really want to connect more with the art community and mm-hmm. tell them that this is a, a, something that they can use. It's a benefit to them in various ways, personally to themselves, also to galleries, also yeah. to the viewer who are looking at their pieces. You know, if there, if something else can go on to really connect the viewer to their piece, it helps the viewer, it helps the artist, because perhaps that viewer wants to bring that piece into their life. Um, there's all kinds of interconnections doing this. I think it's a, a absolutely wonderful thing. Good. That's just getting started. Just getting, absolutely, just getting yeah. started. I see it that way. Well, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for this talk. Well, thanks for doing this with me. Yeah. Talk this about is it. Fascinating.